check out my new book, Reach All Readers at reachallreaders.com. When you pre-order, you'll get special access to my Science of Reading mini course. Learn more at reachallreaders.com. Hello, Anna here. We are continuing our Balanced to Structured Literacy podcast series. And today we have the joy of hearing from Christina Winter, who I'm sure you'll be able to tell right away is just a very kind, thoughtful person who really has a heart for helping teachers. She has a beautiful website, Mrs. Winter's Bliss, and a successful online business. But more than that, she's about helping teachers learn and grow. And she has many resources to help you do that. So we'll get started right after the intro. Welcome to Triple R Teaching, where we encourage you to think differently about education by helping you reflect, refine, and recharge. This isn't just about trying something new as you educate those entrusted to your care. We'll equip you with simple strategies and practical tips that will fill your toolbox and reignite your passion for teaching. It's time to reflect, refine, and recharge with your host, Anna Geiger. Hello, everybody. I am so excited to welcome Christina Winter to the podcast today. She is an experienced educator. She's been selling online resources for almost a decade, and she is open and honest about her journey from balanced to structured literacy, which is why we're really excited to welcome her to our Balanced to Structured Literacy podcast series. Welcome, Christina. Thank you so much, Anna, for having me. I feel so honored to be here. I feel like I've learned so much from you and I'm excited for other teachers to just, you know, have this opportunity to um, hear what we're going to share about today. Yes. And ditto. One thing that really strikes me about you, especially as a TPT seller, is that you also have a blog, a website that's really dedicated to teaching teachers. And that always strikes me, um, sticks out to me because there's many people who sell, but that's kind of all they do. And you make a point to educate people as well, which is fantastic. I know that you were a first grade teacher for a lot of years, and you've shared with me that during that time you were a balanced literacy teacher. Could you talk to us a little bit about what someone would have seen if they'd come in your classroom and watched you teaching reading? Oh, well, they would have seen all the balanced literacy, three queuing, level text, um, no decodable readers. I, you know, I was a teacher for 21 years, mostly first grade, and I never had any training on phonics or anything like Scarborough's Rope, Simple View Reading. I mean, it's amazing to me that all of that has been around for decades. And I didn't get any training on that. I got training on guided reading, um, what to do with running records, Daily Five, using the cafe. I mean, that's where I come from. So when I started to learn about the science of reading, I think what caught my attention is that I kind of was doing some of the things that, you know, the science says, which we can get into, but, um, and that was working in my classroom, but I didn't really have a name for that. And so I feel like now that I've discovered and I'm on my journey with science of reading, you know, I feel at home. Yeah, I think finally, when you start to put together all the science of reading when it all comes to light, all of a sudden everything fits together in your mind versus to me, balanced literacy was a lot of pieces and I really struggled to fit them together. Um, They didn't always fit logically. And I'm sure you did too. I taught phonics. It just wasn't very explicit or systematic. What was your approach to teaching phonics when you were a teacher? I knew phonics. We had to teach it because we're teaching first grade. And I knew that was kind of the code to teaching reading. But again, I wasn't provided any type of scope and sequence or, 
you know, any, it was, you know, like go teach short vowels and then teach long vowels. You know, we had standards on our report card and then make it up. So I think it was with my experience after years of teaching that I knew like they needed to progress through short vowels and then teach blends and diagraphs. And so I kind of created my own scope and sequence. The more I've learned, I learned, you know, more about the systematic, exactly how to make it helpful for students. Um, And then the amount of time that's needed for students to practice. I mean, if I would, if I took myself now and went back to the classroom, it would definitely look a lot different. There would be a lot more instructional time dedicated to it. Um, So one thing for me, when people started talking about um, three queuing and whether it was a problem in level books and everything, they would say, well, over here, you're teaching phonics, but then here they're practicing in these books, but they're not getting to apply their phonics. And that was hard for me to hear because I really liked my leveled books, but I had to admit that was kind of true. So in your experience, what can you say about the use of leveled books in the early grades, like kindergarten, first grade? Well, so what you said earlier about how you had these pieces, but they didn't all really fit together. That is exactly one of the struggles I was feeling because here I was, I was doing these like whole group phonics lessons. Like we're going to learn short vowels or we're going to learn digraphs. And then I was going with my small groups and, you know, some of my students, we would do a little bit of word study, but it was not a lot. But then we were doing more of like comprehension and level text. So it wasn't really making sense. But then um, I think the thing that teachers like about level text, and this is something that's hard to get over, is that we feel a celebration when our students are reading. You know, like those very emergent readers when they're saying, I like the red balloon, I like the blue balloon, the whole pattern text. You know, we have this celebration like they're reading. I mean, I've even seen like friends post videos of their kids. My child's reading, you know, like... And now that I know better, they're not reading. I mean, if you've ever watched that video on YouTube, it's the, um, is it the Purple purple Project? Yeah, the Purple, the purple Book. Cra- yeah. Something. It's, a, it's such a good video, but it just really shows like, you know, an explanation of the kids aren't reading. Um, but we're celebrating that. And as teachers, we want to feel like we are doing our job and our kids are getting it. And they're moving from level A to level B. I mean, the kids are saying, I'm a level C. You know, it's hard to let go of that. But the trade-off is, is that if we can, you know, switch and see how, like, what we're explicitly teaching and our kids are having the opportunity to apply their knowledge and practice, and they are truly feeling successful in themselves. And... We know that when students feel successful, it propels them to work harder. Yes. And I, I agree with all of what you said. I think when I was like with all my own kids, I would also started teaching them to read using like these very predictable books. And I could say, oh, look, you're reading and you know, try to get them all excited because it does sound like they're reading. I think that's the issue. And that's why pe- teachers get excited about it because it looks like they're reading and they're, quote, reading so fluently and reading fast enough that they can talk about the book, right? But when you switch to decodable and you start out with that, it's 
it's like painful for the teacher at first because they have to sound out every word and it feels like, well, now we've totally thrown comprehension out the window because there's no way they can understand it if they're reading this slow. And you feel like you're sort of going backwards. When my, when my um, youngest um, first started to read um, like a year and a half ago or so, I started teaching him only with decodables after the first day because I realized I had learned about the science of reading by then and I realized they, they contradicted each other. It didn't work. So we just did decodable. And my husband was walking through the room and he said to me later, it, it makes me feel sad to hear him read like that because he it was like every word really slow. And that's not what it was like with the other kids. Um, but pretty soon after, he was starting to read words automatically and it was it was make, it was was coming together. And we'd see him sit on the couch with these little flyleaf books, like uh, the very first flyleaf decodable book, um, like I am Sam, Sam I am, something like that. It's just a snake over and over. And he would just read that over and over and over and he, without me asking him to, because he knew what he was doing. He knew he was actually pulling the words off. And just for our listeners, the, the video that Christina is talking about, which I can link to in the show notes about the purple book, I forget what it's called, but it's a two-part YouTube video by a parent, I believe. Um, like she's not a teacher, but maybe she's, I don't remember what her job was, but she, her daughter came home quote, read this um, leveled book. It's actually a book I used with my own kids when I was teaching them to read. It's about a little girl who paints everything purple. But she noticed her daughter could not read the words outside the book. She could only, um, quote, read them by using the context in the picture. And so to the mother, this didn't seem right. Like, is this really reading? And then she actually gave her daughter explicit phonics lesson with some of those concepts. And then her daughter could apply it and read those words out of the book. I think I'm remembering it right. Um, but that is just a really enlightening um, video to watch. So we'll link to that in the show notes. What, do you remember what it was that finally got you listening or like perked up your ears that um, something, maybe some things that you'd been doing or teaching had been, were incorrect? Like what kind of led me into like structured literacy, learning more about the science of reading? Yeah. What got your attention? That. Yeah. So, um, like I kind of said before, I had done things like dictation. I knew phonics mm. was key with my students. Um, and I did, um, many years ago, I taught with open court phonics, like oh, probably okay. my first few years of, years of teaching, which I know is pretty heavy, you know, it's very phonics mm-hmm. based. Um, and I knew I knew that my students needed like scaffolds of support and they needed like tools so that when they were working mostly like on writing, you know, um, we use sound cards, like the sound mm-hmm. picture cards. And that's like an open court. That was actually my first experience. So when um, about like two years ago in my Facebook group, um, a lot of teachers were talking about, you know, kids are struggling reading and, you know, listening to what's happening. And I'm just thinking, you know, reflecting back on my experiences as a teacher. And I was like, I think they need like a sound wall. Like, I didn't even mm-hmm. know that I was going to call it a sound wall. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I was like, they need those like phonics tools that I gave my kids. And I was like, I feel like I need to create this resource because I think it will be really helpful. And so I just started like searching and I ended up watching Don Durham's Soundwall um, video. And so that propelled me into creating my own that replicated what I was already using in my classroom. That's a really popular resource on Teachers Pay Teachers. And um, my blog, I have a ton of um, blog posts about how to use a sound wall and like the parts of a sound wall and all of that. But that is what kind of like propelled me into it. And mm-hmm. then 
Um, I start, I don't know how I got hooked up into the science of reading Facebook group and there are some very knowledgeable people in there. I just wanted to learn more and more and more. And like I said earlier, it was like, I was doing kind of all these little pieces in my own experience in my own classroom. And all of a sudden I kind of had like a little bit of a name and Mm -hmm. I knew like the thing, like ironically, I was using decodable text decodable readers with my very lowest students because it was working for them. Um, Yeah. So I'm all in now. (laughs) For someone that's, that's trying to, that knows that there are some things they're doing that aren't quite right, that don't, don't align with the research. What would you say are some first steps towards understanding and applying the science of reading and the structured literacy approach? So it feels overwhelming because it's a lot of new information for a lot of people. I think personally, I think the, a couple of things. One, you're going to choose like one thing to start with one thing, whether it be like implementing a sound wall or starting to change how you teach high frequency words. If you're going to use the heart word method or however you're going to teach kids to like really look and decode, you know, match the phonemes with the graphemes. And then Using like that one thing and then like seeing how your students are responding. We're always using data to drive our instruction. So use that data to say this is working and feel good about doing that one thing. Get a buddy on board with you, someone who you can kind of like bounce ideas or share research. I mean, I'm always sending articles. My poor friend who lives next door to me, she's a first grade teacher, and I'm always sending her articles to read (laughs) or watch. Um, You know, so get a buddy who's on board with you and just, you know, start there. And Also, I know because I get so many emails or so many messages, like teachers feel guilty and we have to like let Mm -hmm. that go because really I, I was never taught anything about structured literacy. It was not until I started doing my own research out of the classroom. You got to let go of that guilt. It's really not fair. A lot of people in the science of reading structured literacy movement, they'll say no better, do better. And to be honest, when people first would say that all the time, when I was first learning about it, I felt like they were being condescending to other people. And I found it kind of annoying. And then over time, when I started understanding things I didn't understand before, and I looked back and I thought of students that I really could have helped if I knew this stuff, I felt really sad about it. And and that's what the no better, do better means. It means, you know, better now, you're going to do better now for the, you know, for the students, you know, and the students you will know, and you're just... I agree. You have to let it go so you can move forward. I think a really good practice for teachers, I know teachers are so busy. I know, I know. But if Mm -hmm. you could set up for yourself maybe 30 minutes a week, like you just put it on your calendar and you maybe put all the emails you get from people about science or reading or whatever, or or from blogs that you follow and just put them in a folder. And then the 30 minutes a week, just go through it a little bit, you know, Um, just take it in small doses. And I'm, I'm assuming that the more you get into it, the more time you're going to want to spend on it. But at the beginning, small bits is fine. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And I think one of the things that has helped me so much is listening to podcasts. I mean, I, like I already said, I love your podcast. I think what I love about your podcast is you're coming from a teacher's point of view, who's been in the classroom, who works with children, who is also, you're, you're always sharing how you're working with your son, who's a kindergartner. And so you're seeing what you're teaching or what you're sharing happening in real life, right? And so 
I have found that you're doing the dishes, you're folding laundry, you're driving your kids to soccer practice. That's a great time to listen to podcasts. I mean, you can listen to music or you can listen to a podcast, but it's a great learning opportunity. Yeah, I agree. And I think um, also want to let our readers know that Christina has put together a science of reading toolkit, which um, is a lot of resources from her website that will get you started. And um, if you just head to her website, mrswintersbliss.com, you can find that. But we'll also leave a link to the toolkit as well as where you can find Christina on YouTube and Instagram. And also, of course, her website and her TPT store. Those will all be in the show notes for you. Is there anything else you want to share with us today, Christina, before we sign off? I'm excited for teachers to get that toolkit. It really came because teachers were asking questions, which is exciting because then, you know, because I'm at home working, you know, full time, I'm not in the classroom, I have the time to research and learn, and then share. And so that's how the toolkit came about. It's, in my opinion, an awesome starting place, because you're going to get like a scope and sequence, phoneme, graphene, um, dictionary, some parent letters, teaching posters, but also I'm, I've got like a five-day email series so that you can kind of get a little bit of information each day on a topic. That is awesome. And I'm, I'm glad to be able to send that to them. And also thank you for joining us today. And I'm looking forward to the rest of our series with other teachers. So thanks again, Christina. And I know that everybody will be excited to visit your website and get to know you. Thank you so much, Anna. Thanks so much for joining us for this interview. You can find everything that Christina and I mentioned in the episode in the show notes, which are at themeasuredmom.com forward slash episode 81. We'll see you next week. That's all for this episode of Triple R Teaching. For more educational resources, visit Anna at her home base, themeasuredmom.com, and join our teaching community. We look forward to helping you reflect, refine, and recharge on the next episode of Triple R Teaching.